Welcome back to the I Don't Know But Podcast with your host Angel and Imani. Presented to you by our Heavenly Father, aka the Big G O D. What's up, Angel? Hi, Mom. Okay, so today we are continuing with our Bible series. We are in Genesis chapter, chapter four. four. And lead us off with a prayer, Miss Angel. Dear God. I pray that we all have understanding in this time of fellowship and that we learn more about you and who you are. And yeah, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So do you want me to read first? Please. Okay. So this is going into the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is wrong, sorry, but if you do not do what is right, or what is wrong, I guess it means the same thing, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mehujel, and Mehujel was the father of Methusiel, and Methusiel was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who played the harp and flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's 
Cain's sister, was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. That's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And all these names, I'm sitting over here like, what? Zila and Ada and, 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 and I'm just like, what? Right. So I guess this confirms that there were already people in existence outside of just Adam and Eve because mm-hmm. he's protecting Cain from, you know, whoever would attack him and where did they come from if Adam and Eve had gave birth to Cain and Abel. Um, but let's talk about why, why is it that Abel's offering to God was more acceptable than Cain's offering to God? Can you read where? Yes. So it says, now Abel kept flocks. This is, um, Genesis 4, uh, part of verse 2. Now Abel kept flocks. And Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Why why do you think it is that fat portion of a flock was good for God but the the fruits that Cain produced from working the soil and you know laboring was not good cause isn't like firstborn lambs in the bible like a, a known sacrifice like is that like they always give the firstborn of what they have to God. Yeah, I mean, that could be it. But if Cain is not working live stock, then is that not unfair that Cain was looked down upon? Because he was only doing what he was working. Like he was only... It, so it would be, to me, it would be different if Abel and Cain worked the flocks. Abel gave what Abel gave, and Cain gave, I don't know, some fur or something, you know. But Cain gave a portion of what he worked hard to produce, but that was not good enough for God. And he basically banished him. Well, he banished him because Cain killed Abel, but... Cain was upset. He was hurt. That don't give you the right to kill someone, though. It never gives you the right to kill someone. But let's talk about why God looked down on Cain. Let's let's look at it this way. If you work hard for something, and it could be the, the smallest something, but you worked extremely hard for it, and you gave it as an offering... Because that's all that you could give. And for somebody to look down upon it, wouldn't that make you feel some kind of way? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, the Bible does not give us an explanation at this time as we're reading. 
What is your steadiness? It doesn't um it doesn't talk about Cain and uh, why um it just says motherhood. Uh Eve soon learns that motherhood brings pain that goes beyond childbirth. Her son Cain murders his brother Abel because Cain is then sent into exile. Eve loses not one son, but both sons. God consoles her by giving her another son. Oh, but we didn't get there yet. Seth, whom Eve views as a gift from God for what must have been an aching heart. Often, even today, in a mother's sorrow, God comes along, sighed her, and soothes her pain, filled heart by providing sweet consolation and comfort. So, I mean, just reading that, to me, it's like it's it's like another story to build up to what we should learn overall, because that to me this doesn't make sense to me. Why he would look down on Cain's um, offering, but not Abel's, but in the whole scheme of things, everything had to happen so that God could show even in your pain, I can you know, he'll, he'll you do that. That's the only thing that makes sense with reading this. What are your thoughts? I'm looking up your question. Because okay. I don't really know how to answer your question. Okay, that's fair. I don't know how to answer this question either. Because it doesn't really go into, um, it doesn't go into why he looked with favor on Abel, but on Cain. He did not look with favor. Yeah, I'm thinking this this was all a part of the story. I'm going to continue while you're um, looking that up. So this is Genesis chapter 425. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Chapter 5. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years and then he died. When Enosh had ninety had lived ninety years, he became the father of Kenan, and after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived eight hundred and fifteen years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived nine hundred and five years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived seventy years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years and then he died. 
when Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. That's interesting. They didn't say why God took him away, but he didn't live as long as the others. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Although Methuselah lived 969 years and then he died. Altogether, I'm sorry, not although. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived 777 years and then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. What did you find? It says, one way to put this, put it is this. Abel did not value his flock more than God, but gave away his best. He invested his best into a sacrifice, trusting that God could even res- resurrect, resurrect, what is it? Resurrect. Resurrect. <laughs> the the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Abel freely gave his best to God in faith that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God offered, uh, I mean, Cain offered the fruit of the ground. Abel gave of the firstborn and their fat portions. The contrast between the two gifts suggests that Cain gave a generic gift while Abel gave one of the most if not the most significant gift that was available to him. The quality of the gift per se meant little, but the reason for the giving, the gift matters. Abel gave out faith so that, and so that, wait, Abel gave out faith, and so he gave the best he had, entrusting himself to God. Cain did not do well because he gave without faith, not entrusting his best to God, who rewards those who seek him. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it had stated that Cain gave the best of his, you know, fruit, it may have meant something. But it just says what some of fruits of the soil. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Okay, so where are we? We are about to go into the story of Noah and the flood. So we had a little lineage of Adam to Noah, and people lived a long life back then. I know. I wouldn't want to get past that number 100. I'm sorry. After that, I'm done. (laughs) Well, I'm sure things were different back then. 
But this definitely tells you that there were many, 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 many years before Christ. If you add up all these years for mm. each person, thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Christ existed. Okay, so now we're at Genesis 6, the flood. When man beca- began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God, so that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. So this is when God said, You will no longer live nine hundred plus years, or even this 365 that Enoch lived. I'm going to put a time limit on it. And it's funny because I wonder if there have been anyone since this that has lived over 120. Like, I've seen people, I think, 119. But I don't know if I've seen anybody that's like 125 years (laughs) old, 130 years old. So that's something I'm going to look into. That's very interesting. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of, daughters of men and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. It definitely is like that now. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, And his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's interesting because I don't know that I remember reading that either. What? That God was grieved that he made mankind. But my this has always been my question. If God made all things in his image, like all things, right? Everything was created by God, which means sin had to be created by God, correct? Or do you think sin just, just said, poof, here, here I am? I don't think sin came until Satan chose. I mean, I guess if that's how you want to put it. Well, who was who created Satan? God did. So, it's almost like if you are the creator of all things, did you not create sin? And did you not know that this was going to happen? Or is this just like is this Bible just a story to kind of help us pick out the good from the evil? To guide us into trying to be, I guess, more good than evil. That's what it's starting to look like to me. But, I mean, we're still early on. But either way, God did not. He was uh, He was not pleased with what he created. However, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. 
Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people in earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. He didn't kill off them roaches, though. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your son's wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You have to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So Noah created this huge ark for everything, including them roaches, Mm-mm. onto the, to the boat. And we still live in a world of sin. So God killed off all of the other mankind and, you know, allowed Noah and his family. But I guess because Noah and his family probably had sin within them, like, you're not going to get away from sin is what I'm trying to say. No matter how you kill off people on earth, sin is just still going to be there because mm-hmm. he literally killed everyone but two, four, six, eight people. And we still have sin. And the world is, to me, getting worse than it's ever been. And that's why it's ending. Anyways. Chapter 7. The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. So I guess this is one of the reasons why people say we are direct descendants of Adam and Eve because every human since the flood have been direct descendants of Noah. Now that's that's interesting cuz there definitely had to be some some stuff going on there with procreation. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. 
And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark. As God had commanded Noah, and after the seven days the flood waters came on the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, hmm, I wonder if that means February 17th. Who knows how they listed their months back then. On that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of the heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his son Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind all livestock according to their kinds, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. For forty days the flood kept coming on the earth, And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark flooded. The ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living thing that moved on the earth perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swam over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out, men and animals, and the creatures that move along the ground, and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for a hundred and 50 days so we know when it rains in new york a heavy downpour is getting flooded lately mm-hmm. but can you imagine 150 days of non-stop flooding like god really wanted to make sure everybody was gone <laughs> that's deep so my thing in the Bible says, um, a little notation, it says, the Bible says Noah walked with God. It doesn't say he talked with God. Instead, the image implies quiet companionship. Noah walked with God, and no doubt he listened. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah spent time with the Father, and during their time together, God spoke to him. And as outrageous as God's instructions may have seemed at the time, Noah set about building an ark. He stepped out with courage to do what he perceived as God's will. Can you imagine hearing from God and he says, I need you to build blah, 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 and take only your mom and your brother and your other brother because I'm going to start mankind over with just y'all. 
That'd be kind of cool. I feel like I would be bored. What would we watch on TikTok? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what would we watch? What would be our entertainment? There would be no more TV shows. I mean, you could just watch old TV shows that are already out. Because it doesn't go away. It's just they're gone now. They're no longer here. You can watch old TikToks, too, before the time. Yeah, but you know how what many TikTok you, people upload TikToks daily? I know, but what if you just get to the place where you finish all of them? And there's no new creation. Last. No new creation. Well, we're going to have to recreate. We're going to have to procreate. You can't. It's mother, daughter, son, and son. You can't procreate. Well, then there's no point then. No, but because just, at least ha- at least he had his sons. Their son had wives. Yeah, so, so we don't have like we don't have significant others. Unless he tells us to go bring someone. Yeah, I don't trust people like that. So I can't. I can't just bring anybody in oh into the to arc with me. It could be like married at first sight. Hmm. <laughs> They could be sinful too. Well, aren't we all? Yeah, we are definitely all because this was not the answer, you know, to the sin because sin still exists. But I think what the the pattern that I'm seeing in Genesis is just obedience and Listening doing God's, God's will. Voice. Yeah, doing God's will because that I can imagine. For someone, that may sound really crazy. That you have to build this humongous ark and only have the people, you know, in your immediate family. And then you have to figure out how to get every species, a male and female of every species, onto this boat or this ark. And what if those species are not in your area? Like, how do you do that? (laughs) And so this is what I mean I overthink. Because I really would just be like... You gotta trust. How do you expect me to get all of these different little species? Like, how do you even know what is a male ant and a female ant? Like, they didn't have magnifying glasses. (laughs) I don't know. Go to the science lab. They'll probably tell you. They probably know the difference. Yeah, but they didn't have all of that back then. But we do now. That's what I'm saying. So, like, if it happened now, it'd be different. Yeah, if it happened now, it'd be different. But it's like, how do you... You, you don't think there was, like, doctors that kind of understood? I think I think there were people that probably studied creatures. It wasn't, like, how we studied them. But I'm sure there may have been that. may have been people who had a fascination with... The animals and those of the sea and of the earth and of the sky. I wouldn't doubt it. And then it's like with all the water, where does, I guess it receded back to the ocean after the 150 days. But we'll get into where, where it went. So now we're at Genesis chapter 8. Are you going to keep reading or do you want me to read? Um, I'll finish reading this because I want to read the side note for chapter 8. But I have to get through chapter 8. You can get started chapter 9. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. 
the water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the hundred and fifty days, the water had gone down. And on the seventeenth day of the seventh month, so July 17th, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month in October. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. And it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find no place to set its feet because there was water over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. That's interesting. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's six hundred and first year, the water had dried up from the earth. Whew. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number upon it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground. And all the birds, everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I'm going to say something about that. A lot of people think that the end days are coming, right? But reality is, regardless of war, regardless of the sinful natures of everyone, God promised that it's not going to look like what we think it's going to look like. Like, regardless of what's going on today in today's times, because I promise you, every generation has said, oh, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. He's coming back. He's... He may be coming back, but you will never know of course, when that time. Right. He's You'll so never good. know when that time comes. So no. it's almost like, why well, say it? Because you're not going to know, regardless of what it looks like on earth. And when he does come back, it's not going to be the way we see it. Like we're, the way we think it's going to gonna be. 
It's not going to be throughout through or through a war or anything like that at all. Let me read this. It says, often we think of the flood as lasting for 40 days, but a closer read, reading of scripture reveals that the ark's occupants didn't feel the earth beneath their feet for about a full year. That's a longer cruise than most of us will willingly sign up for. Cabin fever, 150 days of rain or flooding, seasickness, personality conflicts, and wandering about their qualifications to be zookeepers are just some of the battles Noah and his family likely waged during their cruise. In addition to these factors, the boat's occupants probably experienced loneliness, grief over all those who lost their lives in the wash of water, and concern about their own welfare when the flood ends. But the story doesn't end there. Genesis 9 begins with these wonderful words. God blessed Noah. After releasing all the animals from the ark, Noah's first act is one of thanksgiving. He builds an altar and sacrifices some of all the clean animals and clean birds. The aroma of that sacrifice pleases God. His response is one of love and promise. God resolves that from this time on, even though he recognizes that evil will continue in the hearts of human beings, he will never again destroy as he did in the flood. Planting and harvesting, heat, cold, the seasons, and night and day are all reinstated, never to be so devastatingly disrupted again. Our loving Father expresses his faithfulness and love in ways visible to us even today. So I'm wondering if God missed the word. Um had a change of heart about how harsh I guess the punishment was for sin. Cause that was like I'm just wiping everybody out. Yeah. That's a harsh punishment. <laughs> but I also think that like because I've I heard okay some somebody said before that like yeah, God, like, he's learning as well, like, as he's going about this. So, like... It's like he's, he's, he didn't have a book on parenting either. Yeah, pretty much. Like we, like we did. It's like, learn as you go mm-hmm. type thing. But I guess that's kind of like an oxymoron because he creates, he's a creator. So, he can create that which he desires However, I know he didn't. He never wanted robots like that. That's been very clear from the beginning of the scripture, even though it was never said. You know, like as a person, I don't even want to say as a parent, but just as a person, who wants to have to force someone to love them? You want that person, That's your children, yeah. you know, your employees, employers, family, friendships, um, partners, you want them to love you naturally. And I just think that that's what God ultimately always wanted. And I think he was very upset that people just really went astray. I don't know that he realized that, um, that people were really just going to go astray. They don't, they don't go into what these people, how they got there, but, you know, people apparently really went astray. All right, chapter 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth 
<laughs> all the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the fish in the sea will look on you with fear and terror. I have placed them in your, in your power. I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grains and vegetables. But you must never eat any meat that still has the bl- lifeblood in it. And I will require the blood of anyone who takes another person's life. If a wild animal kills a person, it must die. And anyone who murders a fellow human must die. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. Now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm the covenant, my covenant with you and your descendants. And with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and the wild animals, every living creature on the earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all of, with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the flood waters destroy all life. When I see a rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, Yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I am confirming with all the creatures on earth. The sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons, from these three sons of Noah, came all the people who now populate the earth. After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day he drank some vine, some wine he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Ham and the father of Canaan saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe held it over their shoulders and backed into the tent to cover their father as they did as they did this they looked the other way so that so they would not see him naked when noah woke up from his stupor he learned that he learned what ham his youngest son had done then he cursed canaan the son of ham may canaan be cursed may he be the lowest of servants to his relatives then Noah said, May the Lord of God may the Lord the God of Shem be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prophecy. I mean does not say what does not say. May Jeff share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another three hundred and fifty years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then he died okay stop for a second let's talk about this so Noah was laying naked drunk and naked so he was he was pissy drunk mm-hmm. 
Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and found, and found out what his youngest son had done, he said, Cursed be Canaan. So Ham, I guess, was the youngest son. And he decided to curse Canaan's son. I mean, Ham's son, which is Canaan. I just want to know how these people have all this power to do that. That's the part I'm trying to figure out. Like, I mean, I, I guess in his mind is like Ham was trying to make a mockery of him by telling the brothers. But how would he even know that? He was asleep. What do you mean? Why did Noah just wake up and want to curse Canaan? They probably told him like, oh, Canaan's over here snitching on you. <laughs> Something. Because. Told on Canaan. But Canaan didn't do anything. Canaan wasn't a part of this. Ham was the one that went and told the brothers. Or was he cursing him because Noah, I mean, Ham actually looked at Noah while he was naked? He was the only one that they said looked at Noah. But the other sons walked him backwards. They didn't look at him. They didn't see him in his nakedness. I tell you what, God created some interesting people. Because I'm not, I, I don't even, I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> Why these people think the way they think. I wish they would have gone into more the meaning, like what that meant for your son to see you naked. Maybe that would help us understand why he would curse his son's son, his grandson. All right, continue on. Chapter 10, Genesis 10. This is the account of the families of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the three sons of Noah. Many children were born to them after the great flood. The descendants of Jeph, Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, Meshach, and Tyrus. Tyrus. The descendants of Gomer were A R and T. Because I don't got time to be. Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Tagarmah. Like, what? Yeah, they they definitely had some names back then. I don't know where they came up with these. These are just descendants. This is all. Okay. The descendants of Javan were Elisha. I'm about to butcher these names. Eli- yes. Can you say them? Because the Kittim and the Rodanim. Mm-mm. The descendants became the seafaring peoples that spread out the various lands, each identified by its own language, clan, and national. I mean, national identity. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Hamites. The descendants of of Ham were Cush, Nizarim, Mizarim, Put, and Canaan. The descendants of Cush were Seba, Havila, Havila, Sab, Sabta, Ramah, and Sabtaka. <laughs> the descendants of Ramah were Seba and Sheba, Sheba and, and Dedan, yeah, Dedan or Dedan or something. Cush was also the ancestor of Nimrod, who was the first heroic warrior on earth. Since he was the greatest hunter in the world, his name became proverbial people said people would say this is the man this man is like nimrod 
the greatest hunter in the world. He built his kingdom in the land of Babylonia with the cities of Babylon, Erech, Erech, Akkad, and Kalnit. I don't know how to say this. <laughs> and Kalna. Kalna. And Shinar. From there, he ex- um, expanded his territory to Assyria, building the cities of Obal, 
Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were descendants of Joktan. The territory they equipped they occupied extended from Mesha all the way to Safar in the eastern mountains. These were the descendants of Shem, identified by clan, language, territory, and national identity. These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nations according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. Okay. Goodness gracious. That was like... Yeah, that's that's a lot of names that we don't hear regularly, so it's definitely difficult to pronounce. Um, kind of have to sound it out. Like, when I be reading, I just be like, A and T and F and... Okay. Like, I don't even be saying the whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. But I wanted to read this because this was um one of the notes on this page. And it's interesting because I feel like this note should have been on our first episode when we were trying to figure out why... Well, when I was trying to figure out, because you didn't care, but That's why, not true. I didn't care. why Eve, you know, did some of the things she did with um, disobeying God. But it says, um, we were created for perfection. In fact, we were originally placed in a perfect world. In Eden, God's original design for each of us was to live in a state of perfection. We were created for that experience, and we were created created for that expectation. So what happened? Simply put, Eve disobeyed God and convinced Adam to disobey as well. And the consequence of their disobedience was they were banished from Eden. That meant they lost the perfect environment, the perfect experiences, and the fulfillment of perfect expectations. The reverberating aftermath of their disobedience is our yearning and questing for that which was lost to us. This then is why Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble in John sixteen thirty three, It all started with Adam and Eve. Nothing in life is perfect because perfection was lost in Eden. But the flip side of this negative is fully understanding and accepting that life will never be perfect and neither will any experience or relationship. If we can accept that, we can quit looking for it, blaming others or ourselves because we can't find it and even come to a place of peace about that loss. That's it? Yeah, that's what it says. It is true. It is true. It's definitely something that I am continuously working on um, because I think I may have watched too many Disney <laughs> cartoons where there was always a happy ending and the guy was just, you know. It's not it's not sunshines came, and rainbows all the time. He came for money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he, had, he was valiant and he had, you know, fighting skills so you knew he would protect you. You know, and then he came searching because you were the love of his life. and You know who my realistic, uh, what's it called, fairy tale is? Nathan and Haley. Because they went through a lot of crap. They sure did. They did. But, but that's not Disney. I'm talking about why. I know, but I'm just saying. Perfection. Like, you didn't, you may not have grown up on Disney. Maybe you grew up with more realistic, you know, working things out and type stuff. I grew up. With Cinderella. I know. And being, you know, saved from all of 
the harshness of the world from the man of your dreams, who just so happens to be the most handsome man in all the earth. Princess, what's her name? Tiana? Tiana. Yeah. But even with that, that's like more realistic too, because it's like, you're learning to love a frog, you know, (laughs) who you would never look at. Like... It's so different. <laughs> and she didn't really come from much either. She, she didn't to, come from much. She had, to, she had to work hard and she had to fight, you know, through swamps and okay. people trying to kill her. And like, I mean, we yeah. definitely have different Disney perfection. Like yours, that's not perfectionist. And then I was going to say Beauty and the Beast, but that's also not perfection. No, because that's mm-hmm. like, you know. Like taking it's just like taking good from what seems to be bad whereas even though cinderella wasn't typically a good story for her her person was ideal whereas tiana and beauty's person was not ideal like a beast is not ideal (laughs) a frog is not ideal you know yeah but he wasn't a frog in the end no they neither one but it but it shows you you have to either work through the relationship with your person to, you know, I guess, help him see that he can be a prince. You know, build him up. Basically, Beauty had to build Beast up. Because Beast, Beast was insecure. Mm-hmm. I know. So, that's probably more realistic than you have this prince, you know, in, um, in his castle. Like, Cinderella did. Yeah. Cinderella is so just, totally like, different. I mean, she went. She had a hard life, too, though. She had a hard life, but her person was, quote-unquote, perfect. Her person was already well-to-do. He was going to be the head of his country, town, whatever they call those things. He was very nice-looking. He was valiant. He would fight for you. He came looking. You didn't have to chase him. Like, Tiana was chasing a frog the whole movie. (laughs) And, you know, like... But that's how it's, like, not how it's supposed to be, but you're you're not supposed to go find your husband. They're supposed to find you. That's why it says... um, When when a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. No, I get it. But what I'm saying is, my experience with perfectionist is the prince in Cinderella. Like, I want him to do everything. Your experience with Disney is kind of the total opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I think I have to change my way of thinking. Not the necessary... I mean, I guess there are some people out there that will chase and, you know... I'm not chasing nobody. That's why I'm single. Yeah. Um, I digress. (laughs) But, yeah, I think they should have put this... In, like, the second chapter, that would have kind of made things make make sense then. But one thing I will always say is God is faithful, and he will give you what you need to know when you need to know it. So apparently I didn't need to read this last week. Okay. Are we going to continue? Uh, no. Let's let's hold off. How many chapters did we read? We read six chapters today. Well, I felt like the first three were kind of long, like longer. Well, anytime you go through lineages, it kind of makes things a little like, and, but our goal is to read the Bible from 
soup to nuts from beginning to end. So you can't leave out the lineages because in one particular chat, um, not chapter, what is it? Um, book. Book. We're going to talk about why it's important not to leave out the lineages because there's some blessings in that. But we're not going to talk about that right now. It's going to take us a second to get there. So if you're listening. Well, there's 50 chapters in Genesis. So. There is. There is. So, like I said, this may take a few years. A few years. I think we will get it done in, like, I'm going to say two. Two years. Yeah. That'd be cool. I like the fact that we're reading word for word and not skipping around. Because normally when you're in church, you just kind of skip around. And normally when you read by yourself, you kind of skip around. I don't. You go straight from beginning to end. Yeah, from the chapter that I start with. I mean, I don't. I I haven't read all of Genesis, but like. But that's what I'm saying. People skip around. I like the oh. fact that we're going literally from Genesis to Revelation, chapter one through whatever. I started in, um, the New Testament just because that's when Jesus comes, and so it's like it's more relevant to me. Right. But I think it's still important to go back and you know read. Yeah, I like the fact of going back so that we can see why we even got to. Jesus having to come on earth and to save us of our sins. Because had we done some things from the beginning, maybe the third person would not have had to come down from the heavens to save us, or be born, I should say, to save us from our sins. So history is very important in understanding your current state and why we're where we're at. And not to repeat it sometimes. It's not. But we, it's like natural to repeat things. Everything goes in a circle. All right. Well, that's the end of our Bible study for this week. I guess I'll pray us out. And we thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. As always, don't forget to look out for our Thursday night, um, I guess, regular podcast. (laughs) And um, this is our Wednesday night Bible series. Also, guys, go check our description for all of our social medias and stuff like that. And Yes, and if you feel the need to support our podcast, that's in our description as well. Yeah. So, you want to lead us out, Angel? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word and what you've given us today. I pray that as we go throughout our week, that we take it with us and that we continue to um, apply it to our life and what we learned. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Talk Mm. to you later. Bye. Bye. Why am I always yelling?